Hey, everybody, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Preacher Boys podcast. I make this show for you, and I hope that you really enjoy it. I have a lot of people that ask me how they can support the show financially, and you can do that by heading over to patreon.com slash preacherboys. You're going to get access to exclusive content, including early releases of episodes. I've got a couple episodes right now that have been released at least a month early over on Patreon. You've got access to things like unique merch, depending on what tier you join, and you get access to some behind-the-scenes content that I'm posting within the group. So head over to patreon.com slash preacherboys and become a member over there today. Every single supporter helps make this show a little bit more possible, especially as I continue to add additional episodes and content every single week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Let's get back to the show. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Trigger warning. This podcast contains descriptions of various abusive situations. Listener discretion is advised. You are listening to the Preacher Boys Podcast, a podcast shedding light on decades of mental, physical, and sexual abuse within the independent fundamental Baptist movement. The testimonies shared on this podcast are told from the personal experience and perspective of the survivors. Not all legal outcomes are known or final. Any suspect is presumed innocent until proven guilty in the court of law. Now, here is your host, Eric Skwarzynski. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Preacher Boys podcast. Today's guest is one of the most requested guests I think I've had on the show. Tara, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yep. This was, I think, the hardest interview to schedule ever, (laughs) even though we live in the same house. But yeah, life's been crazy. And uh, yeah, people have been wanting to know a lot about you. I'm sorry. People have wanted to know a lot about your side of this. Obviously, for those that don't know, you're my wife and the mother of my children. You have seen all of the behind the scenes details of the podcast of my life. We've known each other since high school. And yeah, I'm just going to basically go through some of the questions people have asked. We asked on the Facebook group, on the Facebook page for people's questions. I think we have 20. So I'm just going to 
not go into too much buildup and just bust through these questions one by one. And we've talked about before, if there's any you don't want to talk about, or if there's anything you want to just say, it's none of your business, uh, feel free to do that. And we'll just move through. Yeah. Number one, how has the podcast impacted our family life? And if anything, what has it taught us as a family? It, it's just hard to say like how it's impacted. It's just been, I just don't want it to sound like so bad. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Because it's not always bad, but it's just been like, it's a lot of time, a lot of energy. And it, it it's just, I think that's how it's impacted us the most. It's just been like time-wise. Yeah. It just takes so much energy, so much thought, so much, you know what I mean? It's, it's kind of funny because it's kind of like when you... It's kind of, I think people assume it's kind of like pastors, like people go, oh, all you have to do is preach on Sunday. (laughs) And then it's, yeah, but you also have all the time that people don't see where you're preparing. Maybe not with all pastors, but like, I think pastors are presenters that are doing their job. There's a lot of preparation. And like I've said a few seconds ago, like you've seen that more than anybody, because when I'm upstairs recording, that takes away from you and Piper, or if I'm having to coordinate like I'm running out the door on phone calls a lot, or at least I was in the very beginning before we set yeah. a lot of boundaries with that stuff. But would you say, like when I first decided to do the show, would you say that you expected it to be as much time or to be as, I guess, to be the way it is now? Or um, I think like, I, I don't, I didn't understand like necessarily like, like the scope of it all, like of how big it would become or be. Same. Um, yeah. I do. I did expect it to take a lot of, like I said, time and energy. Cause that's more of like your work ethic. Like as a person, you throw yourself into it full force, whatever it is like. Yeah. And um, like, I think that's a great thing. So like, I, yeah, I expected it. But doesn't just because I expected it doesn't make it any less challenging at times. You know, well, it's it's uncharted territory for both of us. Yeah, for sure. I think yeah, the most impacted like or how it's impacted my life would be like the time it takes and yeah, the time and energy like physically and mentally. The next part of that is what has it taught us as a family, and I think. There's been a lot, I think we've learned through the last two years, some things in a good way. And then some things like, I think you learn by doing, like you said, I didn't expect the show to grow the way it has. I didn't expect, I expected a lot of angry people, but I expected two or three angry people, not constant barrage. It's been the last two years, but for you, what has me doing the show like what has it taught you or what has it done, I guess, for us, like relationship wise or like personally, like what are some of the things that you've learned since the show's kind of started? One of the biggest things I think like my takeaway would be like, just trust your instincts Hmm. because I think like me and you, that's something like we've, we've always struggled with after having like children and stuff is trusting like outside people And like specifically speaking, like in that circle, like that church circle, like we've never been comfortable with stuff like that as far as like nurseries, different things like that. And just, I don't know, we have always set those boundaries and like a lot of people haven't respected that or even looked at us like we were crazy, but we've held to that. And 
honestly, like listening to a lot of stories and different things like that, like, like just make me feel like really great that we have yeah. and that we haven't wavered on that. Even yeah. if people look at us like we're insane, I'm really happy that's so yeah, just trust your instincts and, and be more open, I think, to learning and just listening, I think, from people. Do you think on the flip side of that, one thing that I struggle with sometimes is I talk about all the time when there was a cover up at the school that we grew up in. And yeah. I talk about like the bubbles burst. So once the bubbles burst, like you can't go back to realizing or or feeling like you're a hundred percent safe. Like once the bubbles burst, same thing. Like if you have someone breaking your house or if you have your car yeah. stolen or if you, whatever the thing is, once it happens to you, you're like super paranoid or once you see it happen close up. And so obviously there's some level of there's rational fears where you like want to put an extra layer of bubble wrap around your kids at some point or around your family. But then there's also, it can be irrational where the odds of something bad happening aren't as high as we might fear that it might. So do you feel at some level too, you've had to like step back and go, okay, because we're so focused on this, we might be more hesitant with things that maybe we shouldn't. Or do you feel like, Um, do you feel like we've done a good job, like balancing the two? I'm going to, I'm going to say, I think we have done a good job at balancing. And because obviously like we had kids before preacher boys, before a lot of stuff like this was revealed and stuff like that. I think that's just always been us. Even before that was necessarily like on the forefront of our mind. Because that's just like how I was raised. And I always tell you that, like, I was never allowed to do slumber parties. I was never allowed to go anywhere. Like, I was just like, I wasn't allowed. And again, like that kind of stunk as a kid. But it's something I'm really grateful for now. Because like, my parents were really great at that. And they just always told us once something happens, it's done. So like, that was just always their rule. And they it was just a, there was no way getting around it that was their thing. And that's obviously something I can appreciate now. So I think, I think that's just something that was embedded in me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I don't. Yeah. hundred percent. The next, next question someone asked was how have you balanced hearing traumatic stories of survivors and time away to be present with family? Like, obviously I've been more on the hearing side and also probably have been more on the side where it's been hard for me to balance, like taking time especially I think in the first year of doing the show where it wasn't, I didn't anticipate exactly how much it would be or how much work it would be. It was hard for me to figure out a schedule that made sense. But like, how do you feel like hearing traumatic stories has impacted us as a family or like our dynamic of trying to balance like schedule and emotional toll and separating that from like healthy family life? It's a super probably complicated question we could talk about a long time, but how do you feel like we've done with that balance? Some It just depends. It depends on the month. <laughs> it depends on the story. It depends, obviously, yeah. like, I'll be honest. Like, I think if we talk about stories that are more personal to us as far as like where we grew up and stuff like that, I don't think we do it. <laughs> That's a little bit harder to quote unquote balance. Like... 
I don't even know. It's so hard because like for me, it's just, I just can't internalize certain things too much. You know what I mean? Like I just can't. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't really know if that's balancing or if that's. Yeah, sure. And I think too, you've been like, you've intentionally, I think we'll talk about this a little bit later, but like you've intentionally not put yourself in the same exact level of like, you're not listening to every podcast episode. Like you're not yes. putting yourself in the thick of it. And obviously yeah. we can dive into that. Cause I think someone asked about that, but yeah, like, I think that's probably helped as one of us is listening to these traumatic stories. And then both of us have to wrestle with like, if I'm away or if I'm mm-hmm. busy, like that does affect both of us equally. But I think it's been helpful that like what helps like being present with family is like, Like when I step away from my desk and I think now this is the case, I don't think this was in the beginning, but I think when I step away from the podcast for the night, like I come down and we talk about something else, (laughs) like it's this compartmentalized thing, which I don't think is unhealthy. Like, I think it's, I think it's good like to not both soak in it. And also too, by the time I'm done recording or by the time I'm done editing, that's the last thing I want to talk about. <laughs> so it just works out. And like I said, yeah. I think in, in the beginning, it we didn't know how to balance, or I, I should say, I didn't know how to balance that as much, but I think it's well, gotten And, and I think like specifically for me, when you first started, I think like for me, there's like a sense of guilt. (laughs) Mm -hmm. If I don't listen to everything, if I'm not commenting, if I'm not like involved 100% all the time, like for me, there was that sense of guilt. And it was like, if you do come down and you're done working, it's do we talk about this Mm. or is this going to just be more stressful? Do you need a break Mm. and stuff like that? And I think I've learned, and I think I've been very honest, like I can't, be in it all the time. You can't be in it all the time. It's not possible. (laughs) We have a family outside of that. We have things outside of that. So, and I think we've learned that that's okay not to always be for that, to not always be our main focus. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think in the beginning it was hard because like, I've talked about this for a long time with a lot of people in like bursts, but I think I struggled with in the beginning I would sit up on the phone with someone sometimes not even for an episode. Like there's been so many conversations where someone will just call me and tell me for an hour about these horrific things that have happened. And it was hard coming downstairs and then being like, it was hard for me to understand like why you didn't understand, even though you hadn't been on the phone for an hour and you didn't know the same story. And also I was trying to process stuff that like, I don't think anybody Obviously victims should have to process, but nobody should have to even think about it's like stuff that's like confusing and like disturbing and and stuff that's like hard to process and think about. And on that note, someone asked a little bit about like faith specifically. Mm-hmm. How have you been impacted? And you can go beyond faith on this, but like how have you been impacted by hearing some of this? Because obviously you do hear a lot more than most people because you're hearing me share stuff or like we're having conversations, but how has hearing about abuse happening in the IFB affected you specifically? Are they asking as a whole, or are they asking about like your decision? 
I think in general, hearing about abuse in the IFB, and then I think also like the reason it comes up is obviously it has affected my faith. So I think people are curious, knowing that it affected me, are you on the same path? Is my decision in reaction to it? Has that directly affected you and drawn you in the same direction? Like, where do you find yourself currently? Obviously hearing all stories, I think it does affect my faith. But like the core questions I'm asking are the same ones I've been asking in the past six years. Like questions. Does that, does that about, make sense? Like questions about theology? Um, like, okay. Like one of my biggest things, like when it comes to Christianity and you know, this cause we've talked about this is like, I don't question if there's a God, I don't, you know, none of that. Mm-hmm. I definitely think there is one. I think it would be foolish to say that there's no one or, or anything that's hot, like that could be higher than us. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, I think that would be naive to say that. So that's just what I believe. But for me, like the biggest question is more of what does Christianity like truly look like? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or what does God truly look like? Not if he was, or if he is like, you know, I believe that, but what does it look like mm-hmm. truly? You know what yeah. I mean? Does it look like this IFB culture? Does it look like, does it look like how I was raised? Like the Southern Baptist? Does it, what does it really look like? Yeah. And honestly, those are things like, those are questions I've been asking for six years. So like for me, it's just a journey of really trying to figure out what that is and what I truly believe that to be. No. Yeah. With- yeah, I think it definitely affects. But again, these are questions I've been asking. It's not new. Right. And it and it doesn't have and it doesn't like they're not new and, and they don't stem from like your decision. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. With obviously faith has been a big part of our relationship. And we we met in a Christian school <laughs> and got married and went into ministry like right away, like probably relatable to many people listening to this show. So for you specifically, someone asked, how did you handle or process the shift in my view specifically regarding faith and God? Because I know that's one of the things that was annoying when that came out was like, you got blasted with a lot of questions about that when I posted that video. How did that affect you? How have you handled it? Like, how has that affected you specifically? When you put out your video, like, obviously, uh, it was something we had talked about beforehand. And and I was, you know, it was so hard. So, like, I believe, I believe that, that it's, it's your decision at the end of the day. And I never want to be the one to tell you how to live your life. At the end of the day, I want you to be happy and healthy. And that's all I want. Mm-hmm. Um, so I understood that even though this would be hard, like you doing like a public video would be hard. I understood that it was necessary for you. and 
for your own happiness to do that. And I'm not going to stand in the way of that. Mm. With that being said, it was really hard because I, I don't think like I was prepared for, like I knew there would be a backlash and different things like that, but I don't think I was fully prepared for all the questions and even some of the just horrific like things that were said by student pastors and because like it's just hard (laughs) yeah nobody wants to hear someone laughing and like joyfully literally like happy people saying like they're happy you're gonna go to hell and and all this stuff and like for me like that's hard (laughs) yeah because you're not just Eric, the guy who does Preacher Boys, like, or anything like that, like, you're my husband, you're my best friend. So, yeah, like, it hurts. <laughs> and it's hard to process. Yeah. And that's just not me as a person. Like, I don't understand the, like, why would you want someone <laughs> to be hurt? Why would you want someone? I don't understand that mentality. No. And so that's, I think sometimes that's hard. (laughs) Yeah. And I know, obviously, one of the harder things about the show is that I'm, whatever, anything I say, like, I'm not just representing me. So I've got you and, and then a kid, like, who people feel, I think, this, like, entitlement to which is really frustrating. I feel like people think because I do a podcast, oh, we can bother your wife and ask her questions and we can do when you haven't chosen to be public in that way. But do you feel like you've noticed a shift in like how people treat you as a result of that? Yeah. We're very different as far as our personalities. Mm -hmm. I tend to be more reserved more private when it comes to like my life and mm-hmm. stuff like that it's like I'm not very active on social media like I don't post a lot I don't usually interact and stuff like that you know and if I do it's usually because it actually means something to me or whatever and I have noticed that like when the little times I have commented to certain friends or people that I know I've noticed that there's been a a definite shift and or change in their in the way they respond to me yeah it's almost whatever I say now is not valid Mm -hmm. and it was hard yeah I I don't think like I was expecting that yeah the last thing on this topic specifically would be someone asked how have we handled individually changing mindsets while married? And I think one thing that I'm happy about, because I know, like, my, I told you the other day, like, I've become more introverted doing the show for a lot of the reasons that you mentioned. But I think one thing I think a lot of people don't know anything about is like our relationship. And I'm okay with that on some level. Like, I'm okay that people don't know every detail about our personal life. But one thing that like we do agree on is like how we handle or how we think of marriage and our relationship. 
And the one question I thought was good was like how we've handled the individually changing mindsets. Cause I think for a lot of people, whether Christian or not, I think most people in relationships go, well, if I'm not exactly like my spouse, how are we supposed to be happy? Or if we don't agree on everything, how do we have a good relationship? So how do you feel like we've handled crazy changes over the last, since we've been married, <laughs> crazy changes nonstop, it feels without hating each other and, and just feeling completely miserable dealing with each other? I will say this first, and this obviously goes with your decision and and stuff like that. And I'm just going to say this real quick. So like when you made your decision or whatever, and again, this is something we've been talking about. So this is not anything. I, I don't know. I just want to clarify. Like when you did your video, it wasn't like sprung on me. Like yeah. It's just like <laughs> something that we <laughs> had yeah. talked about, discussed and stuff like that. But I will say what has been hard, like about changing or different whatever views and stuff like that is so obviously like we've known each other a long time. Like we met when we were younger. So there's, and we met at a Christian school and like all of this is at the forefront of our relationship. And, and I think what's been, what was really hard for me at the beginning is I guess like feeling, feeling like you were like done with that part. So I think that was very hard for me, like feeling, okay, like you're walking away from this. And for me, like that's, or I, or you would say, oh, I don't want to talk about this. And like, for me, it was always really hard because it was either like, that's how we met. This is where we met or, and stuff like that. And so like, for me, it always, I think at first it felt like you were closing a chapter like Mm -hmm. on us. And that's like, that's hard. Yeah. And obviously, I, I think like for me, it just took me a long time to understand that you weren't closing a door on us or like closing a door on our good memories or but right. I think it did feel like that. And so I think for me, I think once I finally understood that's not what you're doing. And I think like we've been able to, I think once I understood that, like we've been able to move forward. You know what I mean? I don't, does that make sense? Yeah. No, and I think also too, like we've, and I've talked about this on some other shows, like one thing that we've always been purposeful of is we didn't marry each other for exactly where we were. Then one of the things in our vows was like, whoever you become, and as long as we're both putting in the effort. So I guess like what like what I'm saying is it's what I'm saying by all of that is it's it's not it has not always been easy. It's not Mm -hmm. easy to to be on different pages when it comes to certain things. Like it's not easy. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it can really hurt. For me, it really hurt. But that's because I truly, I didn't understand really what that was or what it looked like. You know what I mean? But obviously, like, I think we can, I think we can be on different pages at different Mm -hmm. times as long as we still have that same goal. You know what I mean? So like for you, like making your decision, closing a door on this, whatever yeah. that may be, you're closing a door on that, the bad, the, the toxic people, the toxic environment. You're not closing the door on those good memories or trying to get rid of that or certain things like that. I don't know if any of that makes sense, <laughs> <laughs> but, but like we can, I don't know. I believe that we can be on different pages and still have the same goal. And I don't know if I've, 
I feel like for us, like this has been an easier thing mm-hmm. because again, like a lot of people don't know this, but I'm obviously younger than you mm-hmm. and we're high school sweethearts. So we, it's always our relationship has, we've always been on two different pages. When I was driving, you weren't. When you're working a job, I wasn't. When you're an yeah. adult, I like different things like that. Like we've always had, we've been at different stages in life and still found a way to have a healthy relationship with each other mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying like no. whether that's physically on different pages like mentally, no. whatever it is but we've always found a way to somehow make our relationship work yeah and i think that's always because we've always had the same goal in life mm-hmm. like the end goal I don't necessarily care like how you get there or how you meet that goal. It's it's not about that. About it's as long as you get there. Yeah. Right? I think we've always at the end of the day, I think we've always known like what we want our life to look like, how we want it to be, and I think that's why it works. Yeah. Yeah, and I think we've also learned there's been times where I've been like a few steps ahead of you in certain areas, like you said, and then times where you've been ahead of me and how you like maturing or whatever that is, people don't grow. Like you don't grow in a clear upward pattern. Everybody grows and then steps back and then steps forward. And, and there's, yeah, exactly. So I think we've gotten, you know, we've gotten good. I think at seeing that and noticing that and like being more patient. And I think part of that just is, Part of that's because we've had to, because there's been so much crazy stuff that's happened where it's losing jobs or ministry scuffles or all kinds of stuff like that. And you know, even with Preacher Boys, I started the show and literally lost my basically entire business, which like most people, I don't think I've even talked about on the show. We moved to a different state. We, I lost pretty much everything financially that we had built up. Like there was a lot that happened. And so that took a toll, but like yeah. I've said to other people, like you were super patient where I think you had every reason to say, no, I'm out. <laughs> I think you had every reason to be like, okay, you're not being the best financial provider. You're mentally shut down because you're doing this podcast. Like I was not in the place I needed to be, but I think now I very much am in a lot of ways. And I'm very proud of where I'm at right now. But I'm lucky that you were patient through all of that. And likewise, like there's been times like I've been patient with you. And I think there's that give and take in a relationship where no two people are going to be in the same spot all the time. When you are, it's awesome. But that's just not realistic to expect that all the time. Yeah, I think if you, and specifically speaking like more about like marriage, like I think if you are heading into a marriage thinking that you're always going to be on the same page. You're always going to agree. It's just, that's just the wrong way. Like you just start preparing yourself. Now you're going to be on different pages. You're going to have different thoughts. And even if things are like a hundred percent great and you like people agree at that moment, like people change (laughs) and people change over time. And I think, and like specifically for us, like I want our relationship to work. And so I allow you to become the person you need to become. Yeah. And I, I I don't allow it. I encourage it. I want you to be who you need to be. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mentioned crazy things happening. Someone asked a question, it's not a left field out of what we're talking about, but I guess it works. Someone said, what was your perspective on the time we spent on the mission field? And what's your perspective on abuse now? You've already talked about abuse. I feel like you, I, <laughs> I don't feel like there's a billion different ways to answer that question, but the mission field specifically, and I'll just throw in my part on this first and let you run with it. But like for me or for anybody that doesn't know, like we got married and then went to work at an orphanage and intended to be there for a year and ended up having to come home early. So we were there for three and a half months, but I don't even really think of us as like missionaries per se. Like, I think that takes away from, I think the people locally that were doing a lot more than we were, but it was definitely a crazy adjustment period. And one of, one of, I think the best ways looking back to start our relationship. And then also probably the most ridiculous, horrible way to start off a marriage too. But obviously I think you'll share some details on that, but I'm curious what your perspective is on that period looking back. So like, obviously we got married in we so crazy sounding. So we got married and literally three weeks later, it was either two or three weeks later. No, we moved halfway across the world to India. That is insane. (laughs) Literally insane. But it's honestly, I think one of the best decisions like we've made. Mm -hmm. And I, and I think it's a decision like that's honestly impacted like who we are today. You know what I mean? I loved being on the mission field. Like I loved being on kids. I loved, you know, helping. And I love being like submerged in like different cultures and, and all kinds of like different stuff. Like I I loved it. I like, I was really happy. (laughs) There's a video. I don't know if you're right. There's a video of me. And it's like me and you sitting at a table and we're eating like Indian food. And it's, I don't even know what time it is, three in the morning or something. And it was like, we're jet lagged, but like the video is literally just me eating and laughing. Cause I, it was just like pure happiness. Like I was where I wanted to be, where I felt I needed to be at that time. And like stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. It's, it was really great very hard obviously because like we lived in like pretty much out of a bedroom and and no one spoke English (laughs) like where we were and stuff like that was very challenging obviously and challenging on like us because we were so young and we had just gotten married we I think we had spent our one month anniversary (laughs) up in Kodagiri like up in the tea fields in India where it was so cold. So we spent our one month anniversary up there in the mountains, freezing, like literally freezing to death. <laughs> and yeah. I had gotten like so sick and, and stuff like that. That's how we spent our one month anniversary. And a lot of people are celebrating their one month anniversaries, but like going to a nice fancy dinner and we were halfway across the world and literally was so sick from traveling and it was like just like the worst but at the same time like the best thing ever like I've never changed it I think I think traveling just in general like getting out from just getting away from like where you're raised and all kinds of stuff and like just traveling to new places and getting new perspectives just on life is just really great so it's definitely something that I'm really thankful for 
and definitely miss. Yeah. Obviously, like some people know this and some people don't because I don't talk about it like a ton. But like, obviously, we had went to India with full intents of living there for however long that would be years, whatever months. Yeah. We intended that fully long haul in a few months. I don't even know how long we were there, but I basically was like just so sick <laughs> and mm. in a lot of pain. And we obviously ended up finding out that I was pregnant and that was pretty exciting and scary, obviously, because yeah. pregnancy is scary, but and being a mom and stuff, a first-time mom is scary in general, but doing it in a, a different country <laughs> where you can't understand anything and there's not a whole lot of amenities <laughs> where yeah. you're at is definitely a, a different type of scary. Yeah. And sadly, we ended up having, or I ended up having a miscarriage a few weeks later after finding out in India and that was re that was really hard, just physically. It's just a lot. Um, and again, um, I don't. That's so it's such a weird thing. So a lot of people don't talk to us about India because people know like we came home because I had a miscarriage. Like I basically came home because it was an emergency, <laughs> not no. because I wanted to. I needed to, and so a lot of people don't ask about India, which kind of makes me feel sad because like I just said, there's a lot of great things, a lot of great memories, but sadly that did happen and it's it was horrific <laughs> for me. So it's just hard because this is something like I've pushed in the back of my brain, like to not think about, but we were already planning like a surprise trip home because I had just been so sick and in so much pain. And, and then I had found out I was pregnant. So it was like, it seemed like the right decision. And we literally had just booked tickets home. We're going to like surprise people. And like, I, st I still remember me and you sitting on those steps outside that house and just talking about like, we're going to go home, we're going to surprise people. And, and like, life's going to be good. Mm. <laughs> and like within <laughs> hours that changed and I remember you and this like always like sucks to think about like it was really scary for me because I I just remember like you were somewhere filming so like you weren't with me like when I realized and I remember like going to the bathroom and like seeing blood and I just remember thinking like Oh, like it's, oh, this is fine. And then just realizing, no, it's a lot. Like, and like literally just being terrified. And I just remember me coming out of the room, like trying to find you. And I remember there were like the boys from the orphanage at the house and they were like cleaning. Or, and I remember telling them like, please, please just go find him. <laughs> and I remember you when you got there, like, I remember me telling you, and, and I remember you just told me, I remember you just told me, it's fine, um, we're going to take you to a doctor, we're, we don't know where doctor is, but we're going to find one, and we'll take you, and you prayed with me, 
And this is just a side note because this, like, this really bothers me. There's been like a lot of people who told you like you you don't or that you didn't believe like you never believed in this you never believed in that you're just faking it and and those comments really bother me because I remember things like this and I remember like you praying and us praying like like basically dear God if this is your will then just do it (laughs) you can take this from me And nobody, like nobody in their right mind wants to lose a child. And nobody in their right mind would pray that if they didn't believe it. (laughs) That's what really bothers me. Like when people say, oh, you guys didn't believe it. You guys have just been faking. And like, that's hard. (laughs) Moments like that is like heart because that's what I remember. Nobody sits on a mission field losing their child, like just because we obviously believed (laughs) every single thing. And so, stuff like that is like hard, you know, to -hmm. process because again, I'm not public about stuff that's happened. But I remember like praying and like, if that's your will to take this from me, then go ahead. And, and I remember going <laughs> to that hospital and it was just, a, um, it was just this broken down building in this like big construction site. And um, like, you know how you see in the scary movies? I don't know if you remember like the green walls and like flickering mm-hmm. lights. It was that. <laughs> And it was scary because obviously in India, they have rules, like no men with women, different things like that. So like I had to go in by myself and get ultrasounds done, which is extremely painful if you're miscarrying. And, and it was just, it was awful. I remember they tried to give me this shot. I don't even remember what it was for. And they stuck the needle in and literally my hand, like my vein had like just burst. And like my hand was like, I don't know, like three times as big as it normally was, like just swollen. And I remember they were so like, the nurses were so scared. Like they, like basically like they didn't want to, <laughs> they didn't want to do anything else. And, and so I remember they sent me back home. and. It's probably a 25 minute drive. I don't know. So by the time I had left the hospital and got back to the house, I had bled through my pants and, and yeah, I had started passing a bunch of stuff and it was just extremely scary. It was awful. And I remember the people we worked with at the time, like they were so great and they're the ones who like helped us the most during that time. And I remember they, they flew us to Hyderabad, like a bigger city. So where we could actually be in a hotel and have hot water and stuff like that. And like, they were really great. And like, they messaged me because there were so many things. Like I was so young, like I didn't even fully understand like really what was happening with my body. Like I was scared to death. You know, I didn't have doctors that could communicate clearly to me what was going to happen. And so, like, 
the people that we worked for, they did that for me. Like they text me and, and told me this is what this is going to be. And this is what this is going to look like and, and what to expect, you know, so I'll always be grateful for that. But it was, yeah, it was very scary and very traumatizing. So that's why we came home. Oh. That was definitely not on our agenda, but that's why we came home. But, and that's horrific. But aside from all that, there were good memories and there still are good memories about mm-hmm. traveling and yeah. about India, and I miss it. Yeah. So yeah, I definitely recommend like just traveling and getting outside and stuff like that. Yeah. That's great. And I'm happy that I did that. And I look forward to traveling again. So obviously we've talked about like some traumas we've experienced. And obviously I think the podcast has raised a lot to the surface on that front. How have you taken time to recharge? Like how do you recharge? when you feel depleted from the stories and from the, from like, like when you're talking about when you're hearing about or talking about negative or traumatic issues, what do you do to step away to recharge emotionally? And how do you recognize the uh, personal, emotional and spiritual toll it takes uh, to know you need to step away and recharge when you're depleted? I think for me, I think when I start feeling anxious, uh, and obviously I, I think that I think you can tell when I'm anxious because I start to ramble. Yeah. And so in those times or in those moments, like you're a big help to me because sometimes you'll let me just ramble on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, because I think it's just me just trying to process. So, like for me, like whatever recharging or whatever, like honestly, it's just like me being able to talk and just get that out. And then, once I can do that, then I'm able to like just relax a little bit. And for me, like again, it's just I try not to internalize things too much. I'm going to try to get through some of these last questions pretty quickly because some of them are funny. But I know there were a lot of questions like as far as parenting. And I think we both agree that's one thing I do not want to talk about is like really anything behind the curtain as far as like our parenting style or about our daughter who doesn't have any say in what we share about her on the show. I don't feel cool with that at all. That's why I don't share that much in general outside of the fact that I am a parent. No, but no oh, sorry, hate. Yeah. No hate or disrespect to people because I think it's a genuine like a genuine question. So like it's it's not like that. I just think parenting is hard enough um mm-hmm. as it is. And so it's hard enough without the judgment of the the entire world. Yeah. <laughs> so and like, also too like she, like I said, she can't consent to being talked about. Like she doesn't like, she doesn't. Yeah. I don't feel like I owe that one. No. And like I said, like earlier, like, I feel like I've gotten so introverted because there's been so much people just feel, and I could talk about this for hours. I'll try not to talk about it for hours, but like I was telling you the other day, like one of the hardest things for me in the past couple of months is like, or I should say since the show started, but like it's hit me really hard in the last few months is like people just feel so freaking entitled to just to like more than they are. <laughs> like, like uh, people aren't even entitled to what I'm sharing on the show. Like I don't owe anyone a show. No one's demanding I do a show. And obviously I'm not complaining, like, obviously I do the show because I think it's important, but what people I wish understood is like, 
what I want to share about my life, I share on the show. And beyond that, I don't owe anybody a single thing. And Except I don't I know, like people, like you're obviously yeah. you, but like when it comes to like listeners of the show, and again, I'm extremely thankful to people that listen to the show and I'm not trying to sound like a total jerk. Cause I, I don't think I am, <laughs> but I like one thing that I just wish people got is people get legitimately angry. Like when I don't want to answer a question or like people will send me messages asking me for more details about certain things or asking me for my input on certain things. And then they'll respond. If I don't respond immediately, like in the next 20 minutes or even in the next few days, which I don't even really owe a response back on every message I get because I get way too many, but like people go, hello, do you even care? Or do you give answers? If you want to know what I think about stuff, you're free to ask, but I'm free to not answer. And I'm also free to leave it at what I say on the show. And so that's, that's so weird. Like he's my husband. Like he doesn't even answer all of my phone calls and all of my texts. No, someone said they felt like I was um, ignoring them. And I was like, join my mom in the club. club, (laughs) Like my mom texts you because she doesn't get responses from me. Like I just literally miss stuff. Again, like. We have a life outside of Preacher Boys. And if you don't like that, I'm sorry. No. (laughs) Preacher Boys cannot be everything all the time, 100%. And that's part of of that's on me because like people don't, I think because I'm so, it's funny. It's so funny because I don't feel like I'm very private, but I really am like, there's a lot about us that is not public and that's been very intentionally not shared. I think because I am so public and so out there in the specific area and realm of preacher boys, like people think they know everything about me and about us and about our family. And it's like, you don't, the thing is the crazy thing is like, there's people who've been listening to the show for every episode since it launched two years ago. And like, they'll meet me in person and I'll start talking about like my job and they'll go, Oh, I didn't know you worked a job. I thought you just did preacher boy. <laughs> it's like, yeah, dude. Like I work like so many jobs, <laughs> like I'm working, like I'm a full on entrepreneur. Like I'm working with multiple clients oh. and on big projects and traveling and people don't know that stuff, but it's like, yeah part of that's because I don't care to share that on the preacher boys page. Cause it's not about that. And also yeah. like the people, I don't have the time to self promote all the stuff that I'm doing. Like, I wish I did a better job marketing what I do. So it's like this weird, it's mm-hmm. just this weird balance. But anyway, all that to say, like, I know we're not going to answer a lot of questions about kids, but one thing that I think we wanted to talk about, there is a question about, do we have concerns about raising our kids in Vegas without religious construct? And I thought you had an interesting answer to this. So I left it on. (laughs) Yeah. I'm happy someone asked this because this is something that's been like asked the last two years since we moved here Mm -hmm. by everybody, friends, family. So like, I'm so happy someone asked this because I'm just sick of talking about it. So I'm just, you know, I want to put it out there and be done with it type of thing. And my thing is, no, I don't have any concerns. 
And that's because it's just, it's ridiculous. (laughs) Nobody cared when I was living in India, a third world country, and that's where I was going to raise my kids. Nobody cared. Yeah. And I think that on a scale comparing what's worth. Irresponsible decisions. That's probably a lot higher. Yeah. Like nobody, like I'm just so, and I'm just, let me just say this. I'm so sick of the, oh, Vegas, it's terrible. Because yeah. 90%, and I'm not saying this to the person who asked the question. This no. is why, this is literally, you know, so don't come for me. Like <laughs> This is just for everyone else in my life. And I'm so sick of people who legitimately haven't been here and mm. who haven't lived here, like trying to tell me like what's wrong with area. When they have no idea, they haven't even been to the area. Yeah. Right? It's just stupid. Like, nobody cared when we were on the mission field. Nobody's sitting there asking, like, all these stupid questions. Like, I'm like, just stop. Like, Vegas is honestly, it's great. Are there issues here? Yes, just like everywhere else. And I don't feel like I told you, I was like, I don't feel any more scared to have my child in Vegas than I do to have them in an IFB church, <laughs> like in, and my thing, I know it's tongue in cheek, but like my thing has always been like so many decisions people make are made in this, like are made because they have a very fragile worldview. And I mean that with Christians, non-Christians alike, like for parents and I'm, I fully admit, like I am a new parent, like I haven't raised a child to adulthood. So I don't know, I could regret this in 14 years, but like (laughs) one thing that I'll say though, and I've seen this to be true in other families is like the parents who try to protect quote unquote, protect their kids by keeping them isolated and separated from anything that could be a potential threat. Those kids always seem to I don't want to say don't turn out because I think that's a messed up way to say it, but those are the kids that really struggle once they do go into the real world. And again, I'm not saying send your teenager out to do whatever they want or send your kid out into dangerous situations all the time. But what I am saying is I think if you can have an open and honest relationship with your kids and teach them why things aren't smart for them to do or teach them what they should be thinking about and considering, I think it mitigates a lot of the risk of being anywhere. It's like the parents that think, oh, if I don't put, if I put my kid in Christian school instead of public school, they'll be better because they're around better kids. It's first of all, the kids aren't any better, but also if your kid doesn't understand the gravity of making certain situations, they're going to make a bad decision anyway. And if you have a bad relationship with them, they're not going to tell you about it. Right. You can find trouble anywhere. That's what you're looking for. Yeah. And and my thing has and honestly, like I just again, like maybe this is the quote unquote missionary side (laughs) of us, but like we have always been committed to like going to new places, exploring new places, meeting new people. And and Vegas is a part of that. Mm -hmm. Like I never want my children to, or us to go somewhere or to not go somewhere because of what we have perceived in our mind. You know what I mean? I just don't, I don't want to do that. 
And I feel like nowadays, a lot more people, I think, get this because of Instagram. That's one thing I love about Instagram is like, there's so many, there's so many videos now of like different places. And I love it on Instagram because it, it like shows you all the little wonderful or beautiful things about every single place. It's like you can find something beautiful about and I feel like Instagram shows up I feel like that about Vegas too yes are there bad parts yes of course are there wonderful amazing things yes and then and I'm happy to be here and figure out what that is and yeah no I don't have any concerns and we don't live in a strip club (laughs) we we live uh in a pretty nice area we live in a neighborhood with a lot of business owners and yeah, it's a safe family area. It's not, we're not living, we're not taking our four-year-old to a club every night. Like it's not, Vegas is bigger than a four-mile strip. But Again, you can find beauty like anywhere you go. 100%. Okay, let's bust through these last five questions. Do you believe that there's, this is a question from someone, do you plan to research pop culture trends you missed in your childhood? <laughs> no. And that is only because, so like, obviously I wasn't raised IFB. Mm. I was raised a Southern Baptist. I attended a school, but I, <laughs> but I was raised a Southern Baptist. So like I was raised very differently than Eric. So I don't feel like I missed out on a lot, like as far as like music and different things like that and all kinds of stuff. I don't feel like I missed that. Mm. And again, like if I did miss certain things, no, I don't really care to pursue it because I don't think it would really it's not like it would help me now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you had to listen to country music. So talk about trauma. <laughs> Someone said, do you have any lingering trauma symptoms, PTSD, et cetera? That's another fun question to throw in. I think uh, it's important. Okay, let me, I'm sorry. I don't want to keep interrupting you, but like, I do want to specify too, like neither of us have been formally diagnosed with PTSD. And one thing I've tried to be careful of lately is even when it comes to talking about like depression or anxiety, like there is medical categories for that stuff. So there are things like definitely I can say, oh, I feel anxious or I feel nervous or I feel stressed yes. about things. But like when it comes to PTSD, I don't even like saying, because there's things I think like I could say I exhibit some symptoms of some of that stuff with certain situations. But for me personally, like I want to specify, I've never been to an actual therapist beyond stealing free therapy from guests where yeah. I keep them on the phone. <laughs> yeah. And, and I will say, yeah, like when we, I will say connected, like when I came home from India, like, mm-hmm. it, the, yeah, I did experience like panic attacks and yeah. Yeah. Panic attacks, like on an extreme. I mm-hmm. honestly, I honestly, like when I was younger, I used to think like when people would say, oh, panic attacks, like I used to think people are lying about that. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, yeah. And like when I, but like when I came home from India, like I, and I honestly, I didn't even know what it was at the time. I just, I would all of a sudden feel like just very like heart pounding, extremely bad back pain and all Mm -hmm. kinds of stuff. And, um, like I started to realize, I think it was connected to maybe some of that. Yeah. 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 Panic attacks is definitely something I think both of us have had a lot of throughout the last I would say like the last few years, but I know that's something that I consistently have a lot of is, which is my heart, like literally a night ago, like I literally, my heart is just racing. Like, I don't feel like I can do anything. I remember like when I came home, I remember like I was asking like some friends at the time, like these uh, other women that I had 
met or known who had kind of gone through the same thing I was going through I had asked them like hey is like this a symptom is this something they were like oh I don't really know I'm not really sure Mm -hmm. and again I like that again because I thought panic attacks like oh that's fake being dramatic I wasn't even like connecting hey this this is what's happening to you but I always felt like that was more of a mental it was like more like in your head type of thing Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that like you could have like physical symptoms of like I didn't know that was possible but so again you live and you learn I'm going to go ahead and close on this question and I know that there's some other questions that were we probably answered just through some of our other answers there's some questions that were asked were duplicates or touched on the same area but obviously if people who are listening to this feel free to hit us up with other questions and if there's enough of them or enough comments like I I think we'd probably do like a part two, but on this point for you specifically, you were raised in evangelicalism, then really stepped into the IFB. And like for women, we talk about on the show all the time, like your identity is really wrapped up in your dad when you're a kid. And then it kind of transfers to, oh, now I'm a wife. So you go from being a daughter to a wife and that can be pretty suffocating for you specifically do you plan to pursue new education or career goals while or after raising your children what's basically what's on the horizon for you i think that's a fitting question to end on like i will say this so like i've changed a lot since Mm -hmm. the time like we whenever got married till now so obviously like when we first got married like i embraced that full force that type of like your wife, you cook, you clean, and you bear children, right? Yeah. And you raise your children, you raise your all the different stuff. Like that is it, right? And I, I think I fully embrace that, and I was very vocal about that. So I'm not, <laughs> I am not going to sit here today and say that I wasn't, because I was. And and obviously there was like I felt I didn't need to pursue different things. I didn't need to do that because I believe that was solely my purpose. Even if people told me like, yeah, oh, you should rethink about that. I like, I wouldn't listen. But again, that's how I was raised. You know, so I, I really believed what I was doing was right and different things like that. And, and again, like that all came to a big halt for me after I had my miscarriage and stuff like that kind of is when things started changing for me because it kind of that really kind of burst my bubble like I was kind of like shocked (laughs) because it was like you get married and then you have babies and your husband works in ministry and that's it and so for me it was yeah it was I I felt like I was left there standing what do I do now it's no one told me that could happen that's not what happened to all my friends or other people that I know. What do I do now? Yeah. If I can't have children, if I can't have any more children, what do I do? Yeah. And that's been a really, that's been a really scary thing for me trying to transition because I almost feel like I'm a little behind and late in life as far as doing that transition. But yeah, I, I do. And I don't, <sighs> I can try to be honest about that. And again, this is not something that has been diagnosed or anything yet, but it has been a little bit harder for us to have children. And and so I'm at a point now where I'm, I'm okay with that and I'm accepting that and I'm happy. And I like the way my life is and I'm happy about it. 
but at the same time like I'm not I'm I've came to the realization that I'm not always going to be raising children like I thought and so what am I going to do now and so obviously that's been a big question like with me and you and and so like obviously you've suggested self-help books like just trying to like discover maybe what certain passions or certain things I maybe would be interested in pursuing because again because of how I was raised I missed that (laughs) I kind of missed that step in life I wasn't allowed to work a job (laughs) I wasn't I wasn't allowed to work a job I didn't go to college I didn't you know like I kind of I missed all that or overstepped it so I never I've never really had the time or even have the option to really explore maybe what other passions I had outside of being Eric's wife or mother to his children. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, and again, it, it's not something, it's not something I feel like I missed out on. I don't feel like, oh no, I am really happy with my life and I'm happy the way my life is and, and how it's turned out so far. Like I'm happy with that. So I don't feel like that. You know yeah. what I mean? But I do realize that, like, that I don't know. That is something that I need to try to discover more of who I really am, maybe outside of certain things. or And so I'm starting to do that, like, privately. And obviously that, you know. So, yeah, I, I definitely plan on pursuing certain careers and different interests. And you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm happy to have a husband like you who's who's willing to be helpful in that process and encourage like a great encourager to me to figure that out so yeah yeah it's i think all this reveals there's a lot we're trying to figure out (laughs) in life and i think there's a lot that this show has specifically i think pushed us to figure out or talk about more than i think we would need to otherwise but i just want to say again thanks obviously for doing this but also just for, I know people haven't heard from you really in the last two years or haven't seen you around too much. And I think they understand why I think based on this episode, but I hope people realize like so much of this is possible because you make it possible. Like you've pushed for me to actually start this and pull the trigger and stop talking about it. You've made it possible for me to take a lot of hours away to to do this. So thank you for really being the backbone of Preacher Boys and and a big support system for me. And like I said, you've just been extremely patient and helpful throughout the whole process. And I mean that beyond the show, like even just personally and like how it's affected me. I haven't always been the easiest person to live with. And I've been, I've gone through my little spirals of anxiety and panic and just complete uselessness at certain periods and you've been extremely patient and encouraging and I really appreciate it a lot Uh, at the end of the day like and I, I want people to know this too I've been with you for almost 11 years now sorry I think I met you when I was like 13 or 14 years old mm-hmm. like a lot has happened since then. Yeah. And we've changed a lot as a couple, as friends, as mm. as individuals. But 
like I want you and I want everyone to know like I I love you and and you're my best friend and nothing could ever change that mm-hmm. um not a podcast not a public decision not us being on different pages not anything mm-hmm. at the end of the day you're my best friend you always have been you always will be and at the end of the day i'm always going to choose you and and nothing will ever change them there's seasons of life that are hard and there's seasons of life that are really great and and so nothing's ever going to change them i appreciate that and i love you and it's super awkward doing a recorded conversation because we're usually just having these conversations by ourselves in our pajamas at one in the morning, but <laughs> but I love you. And I'm glad people got to hear from you and get your perspective and more than anything, just prove that you're real and that I'm not just making up that I have a wife somewhere. And for anybody listening, obviously, if you've got more questions, like always feel free to ask it. If you're found this on social media, feel free to drop a comment. That's probably the best place to do it. It's just wherever you saw this post, just drop a comment right there. We definitely, I think, would be open to talking some more about some of this stuff. But I uh, really appreciate everyone listening and really appreciate you for coming on the show and for sharing and just for all the things you do behind the scenes that I don't, people don't see. It means a lot to me. And I know it does for people who listen as well. Thank you for listening to the Preacher Boys podcast. If you appreciated the content on the show, please leave a review on iTunes and don't forget to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter with the handle at Preacher Boys Doc. Additional information can always be found on PreacherBoysDoc.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.